the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's Wednesday. It's March 24th, and uh, all eyes continue to be on some of the fallout, what happened out in Colorado with that horrendous shooting, with that brave police officer. First one on the scene, first one on the scene, an 11-year member, a veteran of the force. By the way, he joined at age 40. Think about that. He was a rookie police officer at age 40. That was someone that was going through life. He had seven children and then suddenly realized, you know what? I've always wanted to be a police officer. I always want to be there to serve the public. I'm going to do that. Think of that. So he must have been 38, 39 years old and decided, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to join the police force and did join the force. And on that particular afternoon, he was the first one there. Shots at a grocery store. And uh, he was the first one on the scene. And he was apparently fatally killed inside the store. Now the search will be on for the motive, as if there is going to be a motive. There's not going to be a real motive. We're just going to have to try to find out what a deranged 21-year-old, angry, Syrian-born uh, Muslim, by the way, who hate, hated Trump. So enough of this. As I was mentioning yesterday, all this talk about another angry white male and all this. No, 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 none of it true. Now you're going to be hearing about the motive, the search for the motive, as if there's going to be some motive that makes sense for some kind of a motive. I mean, these things never pan out. No one has a motive on why a 21-year-old man would suddenly show up at a, at a grocery store on a Monday afternoon and just start killing people. Uh, the, the, the family needs to answer some questions. The brother said that he thought that he, uh, his brother had mental illness. His sister-in-law said that he was playing with a, a, what she said looked like a machine gun at the house. But I'm sure that was the AR-15 that they, that they took it away from him because he was playing with it. But then they gave it back to him. So, and then he went out and, um, and also bought a Ruger AR-556, uh, 556, excuse me. So the AR-15 is also marketed as a pistol. Listen, this, this individual... And, and maybe even, you know, the family needs to be held accountable for this. This is a red flag. Um, and something needs to be done. How someone who seemingly is in this mindset, it, it, it's tough to tell um, how you prevent something like this. Other than I think there has to be more attention drawn. And I think we're going to find out more because apparently the FBI, they did know about him. And they knew about a friend of his. So I think this is one of those situations now we don't know yet but it certainly seems this could be one of those situations that initially they say we didn't you know know anything about it and how could this happen and then we may find out more we may find out that maybe he had been suspected or someone had complained which which happens many times and but folks you can't look at what law enforcement has been under we have to make a decision all last year of all this bashing the police and police are just looking to kill people and everything else. You wouldn't send a social worker into that grocery store on Monday afternoon. So police say he had, had been armed with a handgun, military, military style, semi-automatic rifle. He was wearing body armor, carrying out the attacks, but he was someone known to the FBI. Now, why that's significant is think about that. I mean, most people are not known to the FBI. If the FBI knew who he was, and they haven't given out a lot of information just yet, but that's something significant. If the FBI knew who he was, and then did the FBI know that he was had these type of weapons? Did the FBI know that the family took the weapon away from him? His family did before they gave it back. But what is the heart of this is Officer Eric Talley, 51 years old. Now, folks, 11-year veteran of the police department. Think about this. He was the first officer to reach the scene. Um, he joined the police force at age 40. And I believe I heard, I think the police chief was saying that he realized, I don't want to say late in life, but a lot of times when you think of a rookie police officer, you would think of a man or a woman, I'm going to guess in their early to mid-20s. I think that would, if you hear, you know, they're a rookie, 
I think you'd think maybe a 24-year-old police officer, 25-year-old man or woman police officer. He was a rookie at age 40. So at age 51, from what we understand, he was even looking to maybe move something outside of just being an officer out on the street. You also wonder, he was the first officer to reach the scene. Officers who swept the store soon after found his body and uh, brought it outside. But you, you wonder if there's shots fired. Um, I, I, I mean, police have to go in, but maybe that's something where the SWAT team needs to go in or someone that is, is maybe a little bit more. We don't know what type of um, how he was fatally wounded. I mean, police do wear. Uh, tactical gear they do wear a bulletproof vest but that is um the real tragedy with this whole thing i think we have to step back in last year this is someone that left behind seven children all the negative uh press that police received last year and all those protests and black lives matter and antifa and police are racist and racist police defund the racist police uh no good cop in a racist system as they like to chant this guy gave his life this guy gave his life. They were called. He was the first one on the scene and uh, went inside the store. And it sounds like he was then killed inside the store. It's just terrible. Leaving behind seven children. We have to change our attitudes towards law enforcement. President Trump would have backed someone like this. We'll see if President Biden does. All right, folks, it's Wednesday. A lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega MEGA, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799 that's 401-321-2799 or find karen on the web at www.innovast.com we're in an accident someone hits your vehicle it's damaged in some way pick up the phone and call west fountain auto body 401-272-3340 they're located 400 west fountain street in providence folks as you're riding along you just never know you could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401 272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. <clears throat> we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining me right now, he is uh, one of the writers for the Boston Globe that covers Rhode Island. It's Dan McGowan. 
And Dan, just a moment, we will tell people how they can receive a roadmap. But I received my free email, folks. Tells you everything you need to know for the day, plus links to uh, great stories in the globe. And it um, it certainly seems, Dan McGowan, and you're the first one to write about it. But boy, Governor Raimondo certainly left left uh, left town at the right time. Yeah, you know her her approval rating fell on. This is in today's edition of Roadmap. So if you had got if you had signed up, you would have gotten it. You know, right before 8 a.m. and uh, the there, there's a consortium of, of universities basically that have been uh, doing public polling on the COVID pandemic um, for the entire time, for the entire year. Um, and one of the things that they ask are uh, executive approval ratings. So governor approval ratings and the president typically. And uh, there was a point on, and I mean, you remember this well, but there was a point where governor Raimondo had a 74% approval rating wow. uh in rhode island uh based yeah. on her her you know performance during the pandemic and uh in her last month in office you know before she went to become the commerce secretary that fell all the way to 40 percent which oh. was the lowest she's had uh a massive drop in fact between november and february it's the largest drop of any governor in the country um, and you know, I, I can, there's, it's hard to say ex to pinpoint exactly why certainly the coverage of the vaccine rollout, I think, um, you know, really hurt her, her sort of going from being very front facing to being, you know, un unwilling to talk to anybody was a major factor. I think governor McKee, um, you know, being somewhat critical of the Raimondo administration. So I think all of these things played a role, um, and, you know, she still ends up in many ways, you know, more popular than she was pre-pandemic, uh, but 40% means you lost a lot, uh, you know, kind of a lot of political capital over the course of the last year. Yeah, and it also, uh, Dan, according to this, it doesn't look like she took uh, much of a, you know, pounding as far as when she had the whole wine and paint back in December, because it looks like, you know, December, January was holding. It was that final month that she was really off the stage. And and then you even had some people saying that she should step down as she was waiting for confirmation in the vote with Commerce Secretary. Yeah, they, there were a couple of moments in the pandemic, uh, John, where I think you and I probably both thought uh, and I think the, the wine uh, night, I thought yeah. potentially during the. <clears throat> Uh, you know, the riots over the summer uh, where, you know, you see her without a mask on. There were a couple of different points where I thought there was a chance, you know, you'd see things start to go in a different direction. Now, they did, you know, steadily fall over the course of, uh, you know, over the last year, which is just like pretty much every other governor in the country, with the exception of a handful. Um, but... Uh, you know, for for her to go this far down, I mean, I think clearly to me, the number one thing is people stopped seeing her. You know, yeah. I think the press got very critical, um, rightfully, by the way. But, uh, you know, and suddenly it kind of adds on on top of it. And I think it, it, this took a really that that transition took a really long time. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody who was very close with the governor just yesterday, you know, before uh, before I was writing any of this. And they said, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, entirely possible that people also felt a little let down. They felt yeah. like the governor had kind of said, I what, you know, remember the, the health and human service uh, yeah. secretary, you know, she said, I'm not going to go to Washington. And then she ends up in Washington. So there's a chance that a lot of people kind of maybe wanted her to see it through. Um, and so it'd be interesting. I mean, what I'll be really interested in is the next time they poll, it'll be our first look at, at Governor McKee. That's right. And Dan McGowan, uh, the Boston Globe has a story today that uh, Attorney General Peter Narona, boy, he doesn't miss a trick. As much as there were no laws broken, it, um, it certainly begs some questions as to the Department of Health and why they didn't give guidance to the hospitals as far as who was to receive the vaccine. Yeah, my colleague Brian Amaral had this story. And Brian, by the way, when he was at the journal uh, before, was one that kind of broke this wide open. And, and, and you know, all, all these kind of volunteer board members getting uh, the, the vaccine. And remember, there was strong pushback from both Lifespan and Care New England. They said, you know, we did nothing. We did nothing wrong. And these people are volunteers and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, there, and, and you know, there was public sort of outrage about it. And I felt like, the entire way Attorney General Nerona kind of was alluding to the idea that 
look, there's not a lot we can do here. There's no, you know, there, there's no such thing as a line cutting law uh, when it comes to, you know, vaccines, you know, right? They're not prepared for this. So he kind of laid the groundwork for, you know, no one's going to get charged here. There's probably not going to be a big thing. But what he did yesterday was come out with, I think, a pretty scathing, uh, you know, review of how it was handled. And he was pretty critical of both Lifespan and Care New England. Now, on the flip side, the two hospital groups, which are, of course, merging now, uh, are in the process of, uh, you know, basically they're they're treating this almost the way, you know, uh, you know, someone who gets uh, indicted then and then is not convicted, uh, um, you know, cheers it on. They're kind of saying, look, we we're, we're happy that to, to, to say that nothing, you know, no one did anything wrong here. Nobody's been charged or anything like that. But. Uh, it's certainly at the very least a bad look. And I think that's what Peter Nerona was trying to say. He, he very clearly said, you know, this this was an erosion of public confidence at a time when, uh, you know, the vaccine was in in short demand or in short supply. And, um, you know, as times have changed, right? It's very quickly now, you know, it's becoming you know, easier to get that vaccine. But I remember, you know, how upset people were just a little while ago about, uh, volunteer board members getting these things. And Dan McGowan, the the Globe coverage of Rhode Island uh, has been terrific. It's it's still hard for people to get the appointments. Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, you're now seeing. You know, you're at least to some degree seeing. You know, Providence is now uh, in some certain zip codes, including mine. By the way, I'm signed up for a vaccine soon. Uh, you know, are you you are able to uh, get uh, you know get on the list? But you're right. I mean. You know, I, I think the governor is still pushing very hard from Washington to say, hey, it's like we, we are moving ahead. We need more. Uh, we need more supply. Um, you know, I think Pawtucket's also going for that 18 and over now. Uh, it won't be long before you start to see it everywhere. Um, but, yeah, there's still there's still real questions about, you know, how many appointments are available and things like that. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Now, Dan, sticking with um, and speaking about education, uh, you wrote that it was a big day for charter schools. One thing that Governor McKee, he seems that he's going to be a strong advocate for charter schools. He had started the mayoral academies when he was the mayor of Cumberland. And what I noted was, um, boy, in that interview he did over the weekend with your former colleagues, Tim White, Ted Nisi, he really pushed back on what he considered, you know, false information being put out by the other side regarding charter schools, their formula. He's, um, as I think of it, he's the strongest advocate that I've seen as far as an elected official speaking about the importance of charter schools. Oh, but by a, a mile in many ways, I think he is the clearly the biggest supporter. And it, it's an interesting sort of line that he has to dance on because he wants to at least have a chance to, you know, either win an endorsement from the teachers unions or at least not have a, an all out war with them. But he, he doesn't you know, he's not afraid to kind of show his cards on charter schools. He's always remained pretty headstrong about this. Uh, he's seen it work in his own, you know, in Cumberland and Central Falls with that Blackstone Valley prep. Um, clearly in Providence, you see places like Achievement First that have been very successful. And I, I think he. I think he looks at this as, as uh, this is a, a, you know, I'm on the right side of history. I think that's how he views this. I've heard him say that before. Um, and, you know, to, to go as far as to say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll veto this bill, this moratorium bill, um, if it if it in fact passes. What's interesting about that is he's, you know, he's now showing you all of his cards. Um, I think that there were I think some of his political advisors would have rather him kind of dance on that and not necessarily say that because it almost comes across as a challenge to the House now. Yeah, um, there's certainly more support for that bill in the Senate, which has already passed it. But uh, you, you just never know what's going to happen. I think the real truth of this is and, and it's people might cringe when they hear me say this, but. The truth is the House and the Senate leadership, this is not – education is not their favorite thing to talk about, right? right? They they are not obsessed with education policy. And so 
you know, in the Senate, the Senate leadership hears from members, they really want to pass this. Okay, fine, I'll throw you a bone. And I think similarly on the House side, I don't think Joe Shikarchi is, you know, spending all day thinking about, you know, whether or not this works. The danger in that for the charter schools is, well, it becomes very tradable, right? It's at the very end of the session, I want this, you get this, I'll pass the charter bill. Um, and Dan McKee has, has kind of said, look, I'll veto that. Uh, now, could it's very easy to override a veto if there's enough support for it. But, you know, he, he's making it very clear. Here's where I stand. Uh, more so even than Governor Romano. Governor Romano was a charter school supporter, but she always kind of tried to almost hide it um, in, yes. in many ways, uh, whereas Dan McKee is very much front facing about it. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals. 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers. Maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401 521 0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. It's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200 this winter. I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, we're going to stay uh, with education. You, I believe, broke the story. Um, Number one, Providence Teachers Unions voted no confidence in both uh, Education Commissioner AIG and Superintendent Peters, and also, apparently, after 300 hours of negotiations, they've brought in Judge uh, Flaherty to try to act as a negotiator. Take us inside all of this. Yeah, this is a, a, a big development in the sense that it's 
the real kind of the first <clears throat> almost formal action taken by the teachers unions to make it very clear or the teachers union, I should say the, the Providence teachers union to make it very clear that they're uh, extremely unhappy with both the commissioner and uh, uh, Angelica Infante Green and, and superintendent Peters. Now <clears throat> for people who've been paying close or for people who listen to you and I talk, we've known all along that the teachers certainly weren't thrilled with how things were going, but you know, the vote of no confidence, look, that's a thing that, you and I beat this horse a lot. It's what the national union pays attention to, right? Yeah. This is a sign that the majority of people aren't just unhappy, but they're they're with you know they're actually taking sort of a formal stance. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would probably say, well, wait a minute, you know, of course they're opposed to major changes. Um, I'll remind you though that at the beginning of this, uh, meaning the beginning of the takeover process. The teachers unions were not resistant to Correct. Uh, to that takeover, right? And, and yeah. the, the reason being, John, in my in my opinion, this is basically reported opinion here, is I think the governor, I think at the time Governor Raimondo's team went to them and said, look, you have a terrible relationship with the mayor, Mayor Lorza. You've gotten nothing. You you know you're you're probably hurting uh, publicly because you you kind of embarrassed yourselves a little bit while you were fighting with the mayor. The, you know, the mayor's out. We're going to come in. Uh, remember, there was talk at one point of, you know, we'll, we're, you know, we'll offer generous pay raises. There was talk about, you know, very generous in, uh, retirement incentives at one point. Um, you know, it was let us like let's have a trust conversation here. And we want the state. We want to move the ball forward. But we will be there with you. We you know, we won't. Uh, uh, step out over ourselves. We won't, you know, kill you guys in the media. And things have uh, just eroded over the course of many, many months. Um, you even remember, I mean, the commissioner, Commissioner Infante Green, was very critical. Said, "I'm drawing a line in the sand. We have to do something uh, by right. the by the end of the year." End of the year. Uh, and and never got it done then. <laughs> you pointed this out this week. You know, only a couple of weeks ago, she's saying we're in the ninth inning. Um, March 4th. Yeah, yes. I'm not sure that that, that was uh, – this is a long I'm rain finished. delay, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, things have gotten, uh, uh, per, you know, even worse than they were. Uh, and, you know, it's good to have a mediator involved. It's you, Potentially you start to, you know, heal. But, I mean, they voted no confidence. You know, we break the story on Monday morning. They were in negotiations later that day. How do you think those negotiations went, right? This, yeah. this, this thing is very ugly. And, it, and what it means is, you know, now we're talking, I mean, John, we're talking, it's, it's the end of March now. Uh, yep. y you could have a scenario where you don't have a contract at the beginning of next school year, um, right. which, which, you know, this is what this was all supposed to be, right? The, the state takeover was the state can do things that the city can't. Um, it's looking a lot like the fight with Mara Lorza just a couple of years ago, to be honest with you. Tim McGowan, um, the union said, uh, union head Mary Beth Calabro, I believe she told you that they were going to take this vote back in October, but then they did not. Do you think in any way uh, Governor Amundo and her relationship of trying to build a relationship with Randy Weingarten maybe pre prevented that no confidence vote? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that it was a direct, um, uh, you know, a direct conversation. I do know one thing that the governor's team was very good at was trying to keep, uh, you know, any real fighting sort of in the closet, right? Keep it in the background. Yes. Uh, you know, it can happen and, and you, everyone can have their say, but let's, let's try to avoid this. I think the governor knew as she was, you know, potentially going to be in the running for some sort of national position that she ended up getting. Um, I, I think she, she knew that could become a distraction. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, she has a conversation with Randy Weingarten or is it, she tells her staff, look, none, you know, we, we are not going to have a public fight with them right now. And they tried to kind of uh, keep it at least somewhat, you know, keep at least some kind of harmony there. Um, but you're right. I mean, she, she did the Mary Beth Calabro, the union president did say, yes, you know, we, my members wanted to do this. 
uh, you know, a while ago, back in October. Um, remember, I mean, they were also fighting over the, how the reopening was going. So yes. uh, th- yeah. there was a lot going on there at that point. This one, even though the union president says it's it's not specifically about contract negotiations, hard to believe that. I mean, this this is a uh, they're they're at a standstill in their meetings. They they cannot come to terms on things, and I think they see they feel like the state and the uh, superintendent have been have been publicly critical. You saw the superintendent being very critical of like the seniority process. Um, yeah. You know, Commissioner Infante Green never hides how she feels about about a bunch of things. So I think they wanted to come basically come and punch back a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's an ugly process. And, and standing there on the side is our new governor, McKee, who wants to, uh, you know, he wants to move the ball for the, the students and for schools in Providence. But he also doesn't want an unnecessary fight with the union. Um and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, does he start to pipe up? Does he start to maybe maybe himself start go to some of these negotiating here, negotiation sessions, things like that to maybe try to calm things down? But it's a very different, uh, you know, very different tactics, very different person than Governor Raimondo was, who I think Governor Raimondo had some ability to kind of call everybody and 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 sort of put a little bit of fear in them to say like let's not let this unravel i'm not sure governor mckee has the same kind of pizzazz to him right now so it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch whose idea was it how did they agree on judge flaherty they uh I, you know i don't know who suggested specifically judge flaherty i know judge flaherty is doing a little bit of this work right now and um, you know, my, my understanding was that at the tail end of Gina Raimondo's time and then in coming into uh, Dan McKee, there was a suggestion, maybe we get somebody independent here. Um, and then they both agreed to uh, the, basically the state and the, the union are splitting the fee, $350 an hour. Um, and they're just going to go forward with, with the judge. What's interesting is, you know, a judge can can kind of, uh, especially someone as esteemed as, as Frank Flaherty, can, you know, really begin that conversation about here's what will work in court potentially and here's what won't. Um, and that's going to be really interesting because remember, the state takeover and the law that allows the state takeover, this is in the weeds, but the law that allows it has never truly been tested in court, right? So we have no idea how much true power the state has. Now with a former Supreme Court judge, you can at le- he can at least be the person kind of saying to each side, well, that'll never fly, or yes, you know, this is totally legal. So, it'll be, you know, I think the next couple of weeks are really going to be uh, something worth watching in, in, you know, for developments in these negotiations. Dan McGowan, someone I spoke to said that uh, his question was, why wasn't Flaherty brought in? He said, why wasn't Flaherty brought in 300 hours ago? Uh, The education commissioner had said we had 300 hours of negotiation. The way it was explained to me was after a very short amount of time, there was evidence where you could see the sides were so far apart that it was never going to, you know, come together in that type of setting. Any have you heard anything as to why did it take this long for them to bring in? Judge Flaherty. I think this is where, uh, to some degree, the sort of uh, the hubris or the, since some, some might say the arrogance of the state side on this. I think the state yeah. truly believes that they can do whatever they want. Remember, they have their lawyers, are, you know, John Tarantino, one of the most well-known kind of best lawyers in the sure. state. And I, I think they thought of this as almost we're having these negotiations as a courtesy because we can do whatever we want. And the, the truth is, you know, your sourcing is right on this. They, you know, the, the, the two sides come into negotiating at a very different place, right? On, on one side, the state says, uh, you know, okay, we're basically ripping up the contract and starting over. The union says, wait a minute, we've been negotiating these things for decades. uh, And everything you want to take out, we should get something, you know, generally speaking, I mean, they may not be that straightforward with it, but you know, you want to take out 
Uh, seniority, well, what do we get for that? You want to you want to add minutes to the school day? What do we get for that? And right. it becomes this this battle of the state. You know, we can do whatever we want. The the, the union says, okay, let, let's keep the clock going. And you're right. Suddenly, you end up 300 hours later. Uh, 300 oh. hours. By the way, that's 300 billing hours. Uh, yep. you know, for the state's lawyers who have been paid a lot of money to get through this process. And you know, really, they're still. Uh, in some ways, they're almost back at step one now with, with, with Judge Flaherty kind of involved. What does Governor McKee think of the education commissioner? See, I think he really likes her. I think he, he is, remember, he again, when we were talking about the charter schools, he is a school reform supporter. Um, yeah. What I don't know is how much of a relationship do they, you know, are they going to build? How much can they actually, you know? Angelica Infante Green had direct access to Governor Raimondo. She had the ability to call her. You know, I think they had weekly check-ins, which the governor did not have with every, you know, department head in the state of Rhode Island. Um, So they were very close, Um, not necessarily friendly, by the way, but just they they were they were on the same page with one another. Um, This is a little different. You know, I think the the. Governor McKee, I, he kind of said this in his Newsmakers interview over the weekend. You know, he's a little bit overwhelmed. He, he mentioned at one point, you know, I'm only 17 days in. And, um, you know, I, I think he's got a lot on his plate. And so this is something he would rather not have to deal with. Um, the question is going to be, you know, how long does the commissioner kind of fight her own battle? Does she start to look elsewhere? Um, or does she, you know, develop that relationship with the governor and say, you know, look, I'll do what you want, but I need you to kind of have my back here. That's the big question. When will we know if he truly kind of has her back on all of this? Folks, quick break, a lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call JKL Engineering today. JKL 401-351-7600. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier, Infinity System. The energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let JKL Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates of the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JK. L is Carry Factory authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved national grid BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL, system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. They're licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call JKL Engineering right now, residential or commercial, at 401-351-7600. JKL, they'll do it right the first time. Now call them. You don't want to get stuck with an inefficient heating system. What if it starts to get really cold? Call JKL right now. Free quote, free estimate. Estimates are free. Financing is available. 401 Three five one seventy six hundred Rhode Island, Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering four zero one three five one seventy six hundred. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for twenty three years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen her store. It's right in that old white church. It's My Health, because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. 
stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best, plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401 305 3585. Stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Because remember, it's your health. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to give you credit. You were the first one to mention, with just uh, one last thing on Governor McKee. You were the first one to mention Providence City Council President Sabina Matos. And as someone that's been keeping track, she's the only one that I've noted on the list, the top 10, that has made any public appearances with him. And uh, she's made she's made four appearances with him. Uh, I'm just unaware of anyone else that's being considered that has appeared with him at an event the way she That's has. exactly right. To my knowledge, there hasn't been. I mean, we, we obviously we know that mayor, former Central Falls Mayor Diosa, they were close for a very long time. Uh, we know State Senator Lou De Palma and, and Dan McKee are, are pretty close. You know, they're friendly, they're buddies, right? It's, it's not, not, but yep. Sabina Matos has done, uh, but if she doesn't get picked, uh, she'll have done everything she could to get picked. I mean, I, I yeah. told you a couple of weeks ago, when the last we talked, you know, I watched up close and personal them at a, you know, food pantry where, where she's yep. in his ear. Hey, you should say this. Remember it's women's history month. Uh, you know, things like that, which are, those are nice things to, to do there. It shows you they're kind of on the same page. It shows you that. She can kind of she she sort of asserted herself to to be in his ear and you know I remember in that that pantry I remember she said uh, Governor McKee when they were taking pictures said you know Sabina come come take a picture so they're they're certainly uh, she's certainly done a, a as good of a job as she could do the the big debate here on this lieutenant governor search which has been you know now extended to the point that it's it's got to end soon for, you know I think for all of our sakes but. Uh, the, you know, the question is, is does does Dan McKee value some percentage of the Providence vote, which he, which she thinks Sabina Matos delivers over, let's say, a Liz Beretta Parrick, who's a big fundraiser and, and the money that right. comes with, um, with 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 her. I think those two are now sort of the leading contenders, though I, I still would never count out uh, Mayor Diosa. The rest of them. On that list of ten, you know these other reps and lawmakers, uh, you know uh, Senator De Palma may be excluded because they're they are close. But the other ones, Anastasia Williams is not going to be the lieutenant governor. Grace Diaz, I do not think is going to no. be the lieutenant governor. So, um, you know, I think there was a little bit of courtesy there. You'll notice not one person who's in the legislature who applied uh, did not make the top ten, right? So it's it's right. more of a hey, I'm going to throw everybody a bone here, but. Uh, you know, he kind of knows, I, I think he, he's zeroing in on maybe two or three people. Um, and I, it's, it's really anyone's guess at this point about how it's going to go. But it should come soon. I, mean, I would expect by next week, potentially. One thing I want to mention, and I, I want people to understand, I don't mean this in any way to be critical of her. She even, I believe, commented on Twitter. But people that have not heard her, I think it's going to be interesting uh, the city council president, Tim McGowan, she does speak with a strong accent. Very much so. And, and I'll tell you, I've known Sabina Matos for her entire career on the city council. She uh, came in on the council, got elected in 2010. I sort of started to become a reporter in 2010. So have known her for the entire time. And it, I will tell you, it's something that she is personally very self-conscious of. Now, she's been in she's yes. been in Rhode Island. She moved here from the Dominican, but she's been here now more than 20 years Um you know, she she certainly is obviously very fluent in English, but yes, has an accent and, and gets nervous about that because she knows how it comes across. Um, it's me. It will be interesting to see how people 
uh, treat that? Do you kind of rally behind her and do you find it endearing? I think there will be some people um, who, who, are, who are frustrated by it. And, and so it'll be a, a debate, um, you know, fair or unfair. It'll be a debate going forward. Um, but yeah, it, it's a factor. It's something on her mind for sure. I know, I, again, I've talked to her about it for years. When, when she ventures out, should she be chosen? And then she goes to give some kind of a speech or appears at, you know, the War Convention Bureau or somewhere down in southern part of the state outside of Providence. That to me is it's going to be the first thing that's going to get capture people's attention. But um, but and again, that's I think it's something you're going to hear. And I think a lot of people that are going to be hesitant to say it. But in the suburbs, when you hear her and again, I did I saw her address it on social media. I think she's going to mention it. Folks, there's some great stories in today's Boston Globe. And Dan McGowan, before I let you go, the uh, Amanda Milkovich story, you had the situation with the shooting in Georgia and the massage parlors. That's a really interesting story, how police shut down three Pawtucket massage parlors. Yeah, and this is something – Amanda is great because, as you know, she's been a crime reporter in, in Rhode Island for, for yes. two decades now. And, she is, had, yep. and has really paid close attention to these massage uh, the spas, you know, which are all over the place. And, you know, I mean, remember there was year, years ago, all the cities and towns were trying to establish these ordinances that were, you know, essentially trying to block what, you know, the, the illicit activity that can go on in some of these, um, in these spas and what she's tracked and has really tracked the court cases and the, you know, the, the criminal element of this is there's so much money involved here. Uh, and, and in this yep. case, she, she's got a, a Rico story. You know, we usually think of Rico as either Buddy Cianci or the mob. Uh, but in, in right. this case, uh, it's a, you know, the, 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 um, there was a Rico investigation for, for by the state. Uh, and they really looked into sort of the, the profits that some of these places were making. I think uh, Amanda had in her story today, you know, they were trying to kind of wash money at the casinos and, uh, they, I think they recovered $600,000 in cash in a woman's home in Lincoln. Uh, we're wow. talking a lot, a lot of money here. And I'll be interested to see where it goes from here, because the thing is, is that every time they've ever tried, you know, authorities, whether it's zoning boards or licensing boards or police have tried to shut these places down. It's like they just pop up again. They have a new owner and a new name and it's just down the street. So um, hopefully Amanda is going to continue to follow this because, again, lots of money and unfortunately lots of crime and, and human trafficking potentially involved here, too. So it's a you know, very serious kind of matter. There's another story in today's Boston Globe, and I remember when this happened. U.S. Supreme Court here, Rhode Island case involving warrantless seizure of guns. It was this couple in Cranston arguing over a coffee mug. I can't believe this case is going to be heard in the U.S. Supreme Court. You know, of all the things that, that you know, the uh, major issues <laughs> over the years, yeah, this one has made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, there, there's so much there, and especially when it comes to, you know, guns, things like that. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how the court rules on it and how much it becomes maybe a political matter in Congress as they talk about sort of other gun control, again, completely unrelated, but... Uh, you know, whenever this comes up, you don't, you don't see these type of incidents kind of uh, make their way all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, I kind of can't wait to, to hear what these arguments are, are like. Uh, in fact, today are the arguments in front of the court. Yes. And, uh, and, and Dan McGowan, before I let you go, folks, again, I want to uh, let you know how you can get Roadmap. But one of the things I like is is you also list top stories, uh, the links to them. That story about the Duxbury football coach, I, I cannot believe so much for Omaha or something. I can't believe what they were using in, in a game to, you know, signal the team that they were going to run right. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, that you, you almost <laughs> wow. you almost think like, you know, kids do stupid things. Of course, you know, sports, you know, can can be particularly uh, silly at times and, and you do dumb things, but how doesn't a coach hear this and say, guys, like <laughs> at, at, at no moment in time, is this okay? But at this moment in time, especially, uh, knock it off. And uh, instead they, they went forward with it. And now it's the most read story in the country. I think everybody's talking about this, uh, this thing in Duxbury. So it's, uh, it, <laughs> I, 
I can't believe that uh, anyone let it get to a point where anyone would know outside of maybe a, a group of kids. Um, and, and one last story I want you to mention. There are so many people, may, folks, you're listening right now and you've complained to me that you couldn't get in to see your loved ones in a nursing home. And the Boston Globe and Amanda Milkovitz, again, Dan McGowan, that's a great story. The Department of Health is telling the nursing homes that they have to allow visitors. Yeah, well, remember, for a while, there was so much criticism of the the Department of Health and the governor for, oh, you're not letting people visit. You're not letting people visit. And then I remember they said, uh, this was only a couple of months ago, when they said, you know, we're going to start to really relax this a bit, uh, but we're going to leave it up to a lot of these these nursing homes to kind of figure it out on their own. And I think what a lot of nursing homes did was try to – at the very least set major restrictions so they didn't have you know another outbreak things like that and what you've got is uh and now you've got the department of health saying wait a minute you know we we relax these rules you can't you know make them even more difficult you gotta let start to let people in so it's a good sign for people out there who maybe have been struggling a bit with you know going to see a loved one um hopefully now uh, it's pretty clear that you, you know, you, you these nursing homes kind of have to have a, a relatively flexible policy for uh, for those visits. Dan McGowan and folks, I mentioned it each morning. I get a free email if you're listening right now. Get a piece of paper and a pen. You get a free email. It's roadmap of Dan McGowan. And how can someone, folks, uh, Dan McGowan, someone listening, how can they get that? Yeah, very easy. Like you said, the best part about it, it's free. Uh, Send me a blank email. All you don't have to write anything other than the address. RINews at globe.com. RINews at globe.com. And you get, you know, we broke the story this week about the teachers uh, voting no confidence in the commissioner. You know, we've got the poll results for the governor. Uh, every day, you know, we've got some version of something new or some level of analysis, all the stories that the team at the Globe is working on, the best stories at the rest of the paper, uh, and then a great rundown of kind of here's what's happening today. There's this bill in committee that, you know, is being heard, or here's where the governor is going to be today. So just send me a blank email, rinews at globe.com, and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. News at globe.com. He's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job. Stay safe. We'll Thanks talk so- Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on. On MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest thing to do is log on to my website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Now, there, you can, if you want to listen to the program, listen live. You can also contact me that way. That's the easiest way to get me an email if you'd like to advertise on the show. We also have all our links to social media. We have a links to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or also on YouTube. You can also read many of the exclusive stories that we do. We have exclusive video. You can also shop and get some of the merchandise. And at the same time, if you ever miss an episode of the John DePietro show, if you ever miss a segment, you just log on and right at the top, it says radio show. Click onto that. It'll bring you right there and you can listen. It's all in the library fashion. It all starts by logging right on at depetro.com.